listening to the first community podcast where we talk about life and faith with our First Baptist family. I'm Caroline Roberts. And I'm April Adams. And today we are talking about the hot topic of forgiveness. Oh man, forgiveness. April, don't sound too excited about forgiveness. (laughs) It's just so hard. It is hard. It is hard. Um, What's the hardest thing about forgiveness? What do you think it is? Well, the thing with forgiveness is it cost us something. Mm. So instead of getting repaid, if something is taken away from us, it's it's saying, oh, well, you just have it, mm. even if it's emotionally. Because our, our natural instinct is somebody does something to us, we want to even Respond. up the scales. Yeah. Respond. Get them back. Mm-hmm. And I'm really bad about that because I'm good at getting people back for stuff. <laughs> So you are you are good at getting revenge. Yeah, I need to not be. <laughs> I don't ever want to get on your bad side. Oh my goodness! But it's usually usually the petty things, it's the bigger yeah, things yeah. that I think I've learned to let go of more. <laughs> yeah, still little things. Like because little oh, things just... come back up, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 when it's when it's the same thing over and over again, it, it kind of builds on mm-hmm. it, it builds on itself and. Um, and then it becomes something big and then it sometimes yeah. is difficult to let go. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, sometimes the other person doesn't even know. Yeah. And that's, that's tough because then that requires a confrontation. Mm-hmm. And this is, so we're talking about when someone else has wronged you. We're not talking about like, I mean, this could encompass petty things, but this is not something that's just like a passive aggressive, you do something to someone. And you know, this is something where... There has been there has been a wrongdoing against towards you by someone, and you have not done anything to. I want to say deserve that, but mm-hmm. this is where you have to offer forgiveness. Yeah, you have to rise above it and let it go. Yeah, just like in Frozen. Cue Elsa. Yes. Cue <laughs> Idina Menzel. <laughs> um, but it, yeah. it's tough because. When someone has wronged you, there there is this this you know natural desire to call them out on it. But there's a right way to call them out on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, scripture even goes into that, especially if it's another believer. I mean, yeah. if someone has sinned, mm-hmm. we have a responsibility to bring that sin to light. Yeah. What do you think is is the appropriate way to do that? Yeah, it's it's hard because it's because each situation is different. Absolutely, and then. It's rarely a one-and-done thing, mm. especially if it's one of those big sins. And I wrote in one of our devotionals on the website about an experience I had in college mm. where I had a friend who was doing something wrong that she knew she shouldn't have been doing, but it was it was one of those really deep-seated sins, too, mm. that it's not just easy to give up. It's not like, oh, I'm just going to stop this. It was... it had rooted itself very emotionally mm. into her life. And I happened to find out about it. She didn't come to me and tell me about it. Mm, it wasn't a, it wasn't a confessional thing. Mm. It was, I found out about it. Another friend of ours found out about it too. And we knew that she was lying to us about some things. And so there was one night we went to confront her about it. And I can say that 
if you're excited to confront somebody, you probably shouldn't. Mm. But I can remember just the dread and wanting to throw up before talking. And I shouldn't have eaten a Chinese buffet before. <laughs> but a group of our friends went it's to eat, feeling too eat well Chinese food. This conversation. <laughs> and I was like, that was the worst. <laughs> and so I can remember us going for a walk and the other friend who also knew and I tried to talk to her about it, even pulled up some of the lies and called her out on it. And she very adamantly was almost to the point of tears, still denied it. And Mm. so we kind of let it go because it's like, what do you do? Somebody's saying this is not happening, even though you know that it is. So let it go for about a week. But the tension, there was just this tension between all of us. Oh, yeah. Until the situation was brought up somewhere else. And so she knew that we knew at that point and came back and we talked on it. But I can remember my biggest fear. She just looked at me really coldly and said, everyone has their dark spot. This one's mine. I'm going to keep doing it. Mm. And so then we're like, well, what? Where do you go from here when somebody says, I know what's wrong? But I'm still going to continue with Mm. this. Especially another believer, a sister in Christ. Mm -hmm. I mean, actively living in sin, where that's something, if you are a believer, I mean, you should be actively running away from sin. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, even when sin does find its way back into your life, when when that confrontation happens, that conviction happens, if there's not a turn, a repentance, Mm -hmm. then there's a lot of question there. There's a lot of, well, how do we, how do we handle this? What do we do next? Yeah. Yeah. And so, and I mean, I was only 20, 20 years old when it started, I think. Just a wee last. 21, yeah. (laughs) And so, and so to be, to be dealing with what it was, like, you don't, it doesn't happen a lot, but there was a lot of things like I had never dealt with those these particular issues yeah. before and so knowing how to deal with that having somebody just say I don't care like that had never happened to me before mm-hmm. um so blatantly but then and so and the sin that she committed wasn't directly at me okay at first but what happens is if somebody's living in sin, that starts to affect everyone around yeah. them. Yeah. And you could kind of feel it start to infiltrate the group because there's those of us who knew about it who didn't want her reputation to be ruined. So yeah. You were genuinely concerned yeah, about yeah, her. Yeah, tr- trying not to talk about it, but then bearing a burden... <laughs> On that, and then when you're put in situations where you're feeling like, do I have to lie about this? Yeah. Do I do I have to deal with it? So it just it really built up, and um, you could just see how the roots of sin can just intertwine. Yeah. Into your lives, and so then there are things I didn't handle well. None of us handled things well mm-hmm. at certain points, and so even her sin caused me to sin. And caused others to sin, mm-hmm. and it just really, um, it was it was really a very difficult process. But eventually, she did get out of it. Okay. Um, there was never really a, a very broken point 
And even after, I think the part that I wrote about in the devotional, the part that really, like, felt like a jab was towards the end of all that, in the end of college, I went through a period of depression and was not the most pleasant person to be around. Yeah. But I, you know, she committed to do something with me. And then, like, the day of or day before, she's like, no, I'm just, I'm going to go watch TV with another friend. I'm not going to go with you. And, like, that, when people break their commitments, that's one thing that just will, like, send me through the roof. I'm like, at least have a good excuse. Yeah. But it was like, there wasn't even any trying to uh, to hide that. And mm-hmm. so... I did have another friend who did go with me, and that made me feel better, but <laughs> but it's still, I, I still made excuses for her. I was like, maybe she doesn't even realize what's going on. And then oh, when God, I... This is hurting me and, and affecting me. Yeah. And then when I got to the point where I could confront her mm-hmm. and actually say, hey, did you know this was going on with me? She's like, oh, yeah, I just didn't want to be around you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so there... There really was never, uh, we just kind of moved on, I guess. Mm -hmm. And there never was a point of, I'm really sorry about all this. But I had to make the decision to just, to just say, I'm going to forgive anyway. And it was a process, constantly thinking that I had forgiven, then something would come up. And I would get this feeling of bitterness and say, okay, I need to confess this again. And bring it back because the forgiveness it it becomes more about is our choice, mm-hmm. what we do, and are we going to choose to forgive whether or not the other person is truly sorry, whether or not they realize it, yeah, or anything like that. It's Be- not dependent on what what mm-hmm. they do. Yeah, and it's more for our benefit as yeah. well, and we see that. With Jesus on the cross, that's oh, yeah. that's the example that we look to to say, okay, like he really had the right to say, forget this. Oh, absolutely. But he didn't. And so if we're forgiven before we even ask for forgiveness, then what's our responsibility? And I think forgiveness, I mean, gosh, it looks so different depending on what is going on. I mean, you have mm-hmm. conflicts everywhere. You have conflicts in the workplace. Yeah. You have conflicts in your home. You have conflicts in the church. Um, and as believers, forgiveness looks different, obviously, because we are forgiving others in light of the vast forgiveness that has been shown to mm-hmm. us. I mean, the forgiveness displayed by Jesus on the cross was unlike any forgiveness I would ever ever be able to show to another person here on earth um yet we are still called to forgive and um and it looks a lot different to forgive people who who are believers who are your brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. in christ than it does to forgive people who are not believers and i think when we just think about conflict in general and we think about calling out sin that looks a lot different in our relationships with fellow believers mm-hmm. than it does with our non-believer relationships. Yeah. I mean, one thing that has convicted me and has has kind of bothered me about the culture that we live in now is as believers sometimes we don't we don't we forget that 
that lost people are going to act lost. Mm -hmm. That if someone does not know Jesus, we cannot expect them to live like they know Jesus. And it's almost harder to engage in that conversation and confront someone with something that they're doing if they don't know a God who has forgiven their their sins and if Mm -hmm. they don't know what they're doing is wrong. Um, versus us having those conversations with fellow believers or even just being aware of sin in other believers' lives. One particular story I kind of have, a personal story, I remember when I started college, my my problem is I think it just comes from a a place of naive optimism. (laughs) (laughs) I like to see the best in people and... Sometimes it's an ignorant thing. I mean, I just I just don't open my eyes to the fact that that even if someone is a believer that they're still going to sin. Mm-hmm. And I had some friends coming into college that I just I think I just didn't acknowledge the fact that they made some terrible decisions with the things that they did. Um and I I just didn't acknowledge that and it started to affect you know, how I was able to interact with them. And, and I knew that they were, I kind of had an inkling that they were doing these things. But then when I had a conversation with another friend, we, um, it's, it's almost like they were so fully aware of what was going on with this group of people. And Mm -hmm. I was so blind to it because I just didn't want to see it. I didn't want to see and acknowledge the fact that they were doing these things. And, and it broke my heart. I mean, I broke Mm -hmm. down and, and I realized you know, why, why is it so hard for me to acknowledge this? But I think it's hard for me to acknowledge the sin in my brothers and sisters lives because I don't want the responsibility of having to call them out on it. Yeah. It's terrifying. I hate confrontation. Mm-hmm. Um, I could not imagine what you were thinking with your friend going into this conversation, you know, talking mm-hmm. to her about what's going on in her life, mm-hmm. especially if it's not something that has begun to directly affect you. Yeah. I mean, if this is a brother and sister in the church that you know are living in sin, and it's it, it probably is going to begin to affect you personally. Oh, yeah, it will. But if it hasn't yet, it's it's almost harder to address that conflict and to address mm-hmm. that sin, um, for many reasons. Yeah, and she would often say, "Yeah, you know, how how does what I do affect our friendship?" Mm. And she would say, "I don't I don't understand how my personal life should affect." Mm. what our friendship is and you know, I'd say but it does it seeps into everything mm-hmm. but yeah we had we had multiple difficult conversations yeah. and I think I think that's the thing if we're gonna live life with somebody and we're going to be there for each other like it requires getting messy oh absolutely because we're all messy we are all so messy <laughs> And so, but, but we want to keep our hands clean and that's the hard part. And, and there is a balance of like, how much do you jump in or are you going to get pulled down with it? Mm. And that was, that was something that I learned. I can at least say I learned a lot about that Mm. (laughs) through that process. There's a, there's a sense of wisdom and discernment that has to come with responding to situations with people who are actively engaged in sin. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're looking at it from a believer to believer perspective, there's I mean there's a perfect 
story in Matthew where Jesus is is talking about what you should do. And Matthew 18, he talks about conflict. And he says, mm-hmm. um, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault which, between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. And I love that because we often take that last verse out of context and and use that in many senses. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. But I love that that verse in context is talking about resolving conflict Mm -hmm. with our fellow believers. And there there is a very clear outline I think Jesus gives us to how we should respond to brothers and sisters who are living in sin. And I think your story kind of had that response where you went and then a, two, a couple of you went. And I think you were telling me beforehand that eventually the church found out about what was going on. and To an extent, not the whole. Not the entire story. But, but yeah, there was definitely other people did know. And there were times we made her tell other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but... But then when when there's no confession, mm-hmm. when there's no acknowledgement of sin, how do we how how do we forgive? I mean You're reading reading this part where the the third time I think is the third time yeah. after going to them, if if they still don't repent, then treat them as an outsider. And I learned through the the particular situation that I've been talking about that it's it might not be so much as declaring all right we can't be friends anymore mm. because that's what I tried and it did not work very well um, but there comes a point I think when people don't change or they take a different path that you naturally grow apart. Because you're not in sync with the same spirit. And I have seen that with some other friends where we, you know, they've chosen a different path and I still love them and care about them. When we see each other, it's great, but they're not in my inner circle anymore. And our lives don't naturally intersect. Mm-hmm. And so that might be a little more of what it's like. Treat them as a Gentile or a tax collector. That might not be a person that you just completely shun, but they're not within your family or your community. Yeah. And that that makes forgiving them so much more important. Mm-hmm. Because having... You know, when you think about people that are not within your community or even people that don't know the Lord, you want them to you want them mm-hmm. to be a part of that community. I mean, yeah. you we were talking about living a life in the spirit and this idea of corporate, you know, worship where everyone is fully in tune with who God is and how mm-hmm. that awareness of the spirit allows people to be in perfect community with each other and 
what a beautiful thing that is what people want and that is what draws people into the church and Mm -hmm. without forgiveness there can't be that I guess sensitivity that breaking of your heart for Mm -hmm. the lost for those lost people for those people who aren't a part of this perfect community and that's where it starts if you want that redemption if you want people to see what living a life you know being forgiven looks like you have to take the step to just let it go and to just Mm -hmm. forgive them yeah, you forgive and you leave the door open mm-hmm. because some people will choose. Some people will choose to walk away, mm-hmm. and some will come back. Absolutely, but I think leaving the door open to them is part of it. And it's it's very essential. It's it's not easy, and it's not like it's a you don't just like decide that you're going to forgive somebody. Mm-hmm. It's a process. It's a process, mm-hmm. it's a process. and. Especially the deep stuff. For sure. If it's family or family even makes it more complicated. Family makes it more complicated. Things where things build on each other makes it more complicated. Mm-hmm. And, and the you know, we hear, we hear in Matthew a lot about um, not judging others. And, you know, you can't call out this sin in a brother because you have this sin. Or, you know, you can't call out the speck in this you know, brother's eye when you've got a log in your own eye. Mm-hmm. And, and forgiveness comes from an awareness of, well, I have been forgiven, thus I will forgive. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not a, you know, a righteous, well, I, I'll forgive you because mm-hmm. of who I am. That is a terrible place to come yeah. from. Because you're not really forgiving. You're not really forgiving. <laughs> and I know I've been guilty of that before, <laughs> where I have wanted to be the better person, uh-huh. For my own gain, mm-hmm. I'll just take the high road. I'll will ju- <laughs> yes, exactly, and that I think hurt my relationships w- more because mm-hmm. there was bitterness that yeah. was underneath that and rooted in that, and I, I didn't see that and I wasn't aware of that at first. But then when I realized how much you know how much more that you know what that person said to me affected me the next time, mm-hmm. I realized, wow, I, I never actually forgave them. Mm-hmm. I just ignored whatever went on, and yeah. I just I just put it out of my mind because I didn't want to deal with it. Yeah. Um, and I... That's the thing. I labeled it as a forgiving. Yeah, that's the thing. Forgiveness requires dealing with it, it instead does. of ignoring it. And I think a lot of times we just try to ignore things. And say we that say, we're forgiving. Okay, yeah. Or we're letting it go. Mm-hmm. But... It takes those uncomfortable conversations at times. Sometimes we have to accept that people are just going to be who they are and they're not going to change unless some divine intervention comes in and that they want to change. And that's where you pray for salvation. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's one thing to, to forgive someone who is living in, living a life that is completely engaged in sin and not not a life where they know Christ mm-hmm. that it's you're doing you're not doing much if you're just forgiving their sin and not acknowledging that they mm-hmm. need a savior I mean yeah that's a whole different ball game too mm-hmm. yeah so when we when we're dealing with unbelievers 
like one not being surprised when they act like unbelievers yeah. because yeah. you know what what do you expect if if I don't believe in Christ why would I follow Christ's teachings exactly <laughs> because it's just going to inconvenience me <laughs> exactly. and it's not I mean there's no point in living like it when you're not exactly yeah and there's no gain for them mhm to follow all the rules mm-hmm. so <laughs> So coming at it from that understanding, and I think it also convicts us mm-hmm. when we can understand that because I think a lot of times if people are acting the role, we're happy. Yep. And we're not thinking what's going on under the surface. And so it's like we don't even bother to see if a person is really a believer mm-hmm. if they're acting the part. We just make those assumptions and move on because it's more comfortable to do so. Mm-hmm. You can't always label someone as a Christ follower based on, you know, how they act mm-hmm. and what they do or what they don't do. Yeah. Because um, some unbelievers <laughs> act better than Christians. I, so it's so true. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is so true. And it makes, you know, it makes forgiving others and it makes... Um, being aware of our sin so much more important. Mm-hmm. If you are living a life in the spirit and you, if you are living a life where you are aware of who you are in Christ and you have a deep relationship with Christ, forgiveness should come easy to you. It should be quick to forgive. So essentially <laughs> it should be a gut reaction. But when you say quick to forgive, sometimes when to something happens, forgive. to truly forgive, it requires you know, looking into ourselves mm-hmm. and, and kind of looking into what's really going on here. Is mm-hmm. this me taking something personally? Yeah. Um, a lot of times I've, I've had conversations with people who were hurt by something I've done and I had no idea that mm-hmm. I, that what I said, you know, hurt them in that way or mm-hmm. what I did hurt them in that way and vice versa. And, um, forgiveness can be hard there because there's just not an awareness of mm-hmm. of wrongdoing. Yeah. It's not just an option to mm-hmm. forgive. And it's commanded to do. Yeah, moving on from the part in Matthew 18 that you read, then you right after that Peter asked Jesus how many times should he forgive somebody? <laughs> And he's like, as many as seven, because that's a lot. And (laughs) so Jesus says, not seven times, but 77 times, meaning, I mean, lose count of it. (laughs) And Mm. and so so that's, that's also another difficult thing to draw the line between forgiveness and letting somebody walk all over you. And I think we can forgive people for things that they've done, but also learn from those experiences. Uh, for example, if you're lending somebody money or something, they don't pay you back or they go squander that money. Mm. You can forgive them for doing that and just say, okay, I'm going to clear the debt. It doesn't matter. We'll just count it as a loss and I forgive you. But then the next time they come to you, with a sob story, mm-hmm. you can still act in forgiveness, but not let them bleed your bank account dry. <laughs> yeah, and that that comes with wisdom and mm-hmm. and discernment and um, counsel with mm-hmm. others. Yeah, I mean that's the beauty of the church is that 
when when we sin or when someone else sins in the church, like Jesus said, I mean, take two or three brothers with you. Take people mm-hmm. with you. Bring other people into that conversation. It doesn't have to just be between you and one other person. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay to ask wisdom, ask people for wisdom, ask mm-hmm. for advice. Um, and with prayerful consideration, you know, bringing someone else into that conversation. Other trusted believers can help us know if we're overreacting or maybe not reacting enough or if we're handling something correctly. So I think about, I think about both mercy and grace and forgiveness and how those are both shown to us on the cross. Mm -hmm. And, and I love, you know, I love the concept of both of those things. Grace being, um, being given something you don't deserve and mercy being not being given something you do deserve mm-hmm. and how I feel like we talk a lot about giving grace to people, mm-hmm. but we don't talk about mercy as much. Yeah. <laughs> um, cause mercy has that. It's a more of an, an aggressive connotation. There's something more mm-hmm. aggressive happening there. And a lot of times you don't, I don't feel qualified to forgive someone. I don't feel qualified to show them mercy but I mean, that's just something we are given the ability to forgive by being forgiven of so much more. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that can only truly be done through Christ and be done through a power and a, a Holy Spirit working in and through you. It's mm-hmm. it's not something that comes from your own good intentions. No. Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I would have many, many burned bridges and many many failed relationships if forgiveness wasn't offered. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the heart of it. Just remembering what was done for us. Absolutely. Because if we don't, if we don't do that, then we're going to be treated a lot more harshly. Mm -hmm. We're going to be judged by that. Mm -hmm. So that's also the other, the other end of it. And like the parable of the unmerciful servant (laughs) who was given mercy by the king and the king forgave his debts but then he turns to his fellow servant Mm -hmm. and says I'm throwing you in prison because you haven't paid what you owe Mm -hmm. when the king finds out about it he's not happy at all and so that's us and that's how we have to respond in love to others because we were given that love first Today we are joined by Mr. Bob Devonport. Um, Mr. Bob has been a member at First Baptist and been involved ever since I can remember. Um, he's a Sunday school teacher. He's been a deacon, um, a deacon chairman. He's a deacon choir member. Um, I know him personally. I see him every Wednesday night. Him and his wife sell us tickets for Wednesday night supper at Ellis Hall, and and he's always a smiling face. Um, But he has been involved in so many milestones in our church's life. Um, He was a member of the original pastoral search committee that brought on Dr. Estep um, in the 80s. So, Mr. Bob, welcome. We are very glad that you are here. How's it going? Well, it was kind of hectic getting here, to say the least. Really? Oh, yeah? Yeah, I had to run back and fiddle with my sprinkler system that Uh-oh. was supposed to have turned off. <laughs> and then as I was driving out, a guy came across the center line in a curve and missed me by about, I put my hands up, but you can't see that on the podcast, <laughs> so about two or three inches. Wow. Uh, 
So it was prayer time to get here. Oh. Yeah. Well, the Lord needed knew you needed to be here for the podcast. A little humbling. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't we go ahead and get into talking about a little bit of your faith story. And we want to hear what God is doing in your life right now. Okay. Well, I became a Christian uh, as a boy, raised in a Christian family. We went to the Lutheran church, so I went through catechism and confirmation and did that and there wasn't an eventful time it was just an ongoing thing Mm -hmm. Uh, my grandparents on my mother's side were really strong believers and uh, i still think of them today Mm -hmm. as as a a real example of how to be a humble strong believer and so uh, the humble parts tough and strong is even tougher Oh, yeah. <laughs> Humility. Going on. yeah. But uh, after Linda and I got married, we were going to be in the Lutheran church, but then she just couldn't do it, and somehow we ended up in her Baptist church, um, being the strong head of the household. Um, well, you but, had a servant's heart. You just turned over. Yeah, you yeah. But uh, that has been a great thing. And then we moved here in 1973, so... Uh, we joined in October of 73, so I guess that well, makes 44 years that we've that. been here. Wow. It used to make me laugh in business meetings when somebody would get up and they'd start talking about something and say, I've been a member here for 50 years, and I'd <laughs> laugh and think that was so funny. <laughs> now I are one. Uh, but uh, being at First Baptist has been a real uh growing experience. We came when Dr. Young was here and and lots of excitement and honestly there was not a whole lot else going on in Columbia uh, in the way of churches but out of that time frame uh, the uh, Baptist churches have gotten much stronger. The uh, Presbyterian especially PCA churches have come in Mm -hmm. and again more fundamental believing Mm -hmm. churches so Part of what's really been going on, I've been able to teach Sunday school here. I started in Tennessee, where we were before we moved here, teaching uh, (laughs) sixth graders. Uh, You're (laughs) a saint. (laughs) Well, I could outrun them was the thing. (laughs) But I can't now, that's for sure. But uh, have have been able to teach in the uh, college area was the first thing I taught here, and then singles and then various couples classes through the years. So that has been a really growing time and you get to be in relationship with people that uh, you go through uh, joys, you go through trials. Mm -hmm. And so those have all been growing times and growing in the word and understanding uh, things hopefully more and more. And we've, as a believer, you have a relationship with God, but the thing that I think I've been learning recently is it's not just a relationship because we, whether we want to admit it or not, we all have a relationship with God. Either we're His or we're not His, mm-hmm. uh, you know. But yeah. how close are we? So I, I like the word intimacy mm-hmm. uh, much, much better because it reflects am I drawing closer to Him and becoming more Christ-like? Mm-hmm. So seeing miracles happening, happening around, and, and there have been some phenomenal things happen in this church. 
we think of miracles, I think, uh, you know, as nature things or this. We've had medical miracles. Yeah. But there are other miracles that go on uh, every day in small ways, and to be able to see that and then to acknowledge that uh, that God is doing it and see the way that people's lives have changed. I can think of a couple guys who, when I first met them, uh, they were more uh, macho, I'm in charge kind of things. And through time, they have grown to be very warm and loving people. Mm-hmm. And hopefully I can grow to be more <laughs> warm and loving uh, along the way. But, Don't we all want to be that? <laughs> yes. But this is, uh, you know, the testimony is a little different, I think. But to spend the time in the Word and, and then share it and the way we do it in our class and my daughter teaches and she and which class are you in uh, the way the way Uh, but my daughter teaches and we work together on lessons and we both are question type people Mm -hmm. and so trying to get people to think and listening to what comes back how the spirit is working it's not a one person thing it's the group and so learning all of those things and growing in those ways has been, has been a, a real blessing. Uh, and just grow closer to the Lord to be, to be uh, more intimate yeah. with Him. Yeah, well, you mentioned that you, well, it was mentioned, Caroline mentioned it, that you were on the pastor search committee that brought in Dr. Eastup. Did, did you feel like a winner with that? Or what was that experience like? That's one of the scariest things that I've ever done and one of the most spiritually rewarding. Um, we started out, and this was during the time in the Southern Baptist Convention when there was a, a kind of a division about the inerrancy of Scripture. Uh, that has pretty much been settled. Those that didn't believe it have migrated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and so... Uh, there was some of that here, but we got a lot of input from people right at the beginning about they must have an earned doctorate and all this sort of thing. And so what we did right off the bat was uh, we uh, got together, we uh, decided that we were going to be people of prayer, but we felt like we needed more than that. So each one of us, and there were nine of us on the committee, went to about five or six people and said, would you please pray for me and pray for us? And you wonder if that happens, and I can tell you in our case, it certainly did, and the reason I can tell you that is because after Dr. Estep came, most of them stopped. And you could tell the difference. Mm, (laughs) It really was kind of, oh, I didn't realize how much it was there. But we, uh, this was in the days before all the technology. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were, of course, some TV speakers, but not many. Uh, First Baptist was on TV, but you couldn't do much about it. Uh, And so we had to go and look up records. We got input from people. And we went to churches and heard people. And and we went in uh, not as a group. We would go in generally as two, maybe three. 
uh, at a time to a church and we'd go to an area and kind of cover the, the churches where we looked at the data and saw that uh, they were growing, there were baptisms, uh, Sunday school was uh, growing and strong. So you could, and, and we kind of drew a line of about 500 because mm -hmm. we didn't think that they'd be able to, to really jump right in that yeah. way, although the Lord can make anything happen. Mm -hmm. So we tried very hard not to put limits on God. Uh, and so we looked and we looked and we talked to some people and there were some really very interesting ways we ended up talking to somebody. Uh, one time we got on the plane to fly back after Sunday morning. It was Sunday afternoon, naturally after Sunday morning. <laughs> and so we got on the plane and there were uh, four or five of us in this case. And here is the pastor of that church and he's sitting next to one of the committee members. And so they chatted for a minute and the guy got up and came back to me and I, I was the chairman of the committee. And so he says, hey, you and I need to trade seats because <clears throat> the pastor's up there and you need to sit there and talk to him. And so I went up there and we had a long <laughs> conversation and we talked and they actually came and looked uh, but the Lord really wasn't in it. And so we had several folks that we talked to along the way. But it, it would really, I guess when I said scary, the scariest thing to me was that I would be standing before the Lord and, mm. <laughs> and saying, well, I thought this is what we should do instead yeah. of I asked and this is what you mm -hmm. told me to do. So uh, it, it really was a rewarding time. We, we saw Dr. Estep early in the game, but he was president of the Oklahoma Association, uh, things like that. And so we put a little limit on God. We said, well, he'll never come. <laughs> and, but when the time came, called, and I think he shared in the newspaper article how he was going to visit a church in Texas, back to the old home stomping grounds. But uh, the, that weekend, and I called and talked to him, and it ended up that he canceled that trip, and within six or seven weeks, mm -hmm. he came. Uh, a thing that came out of it, the Lord early on uh, really brought my attention to Hebrews uh, 1037, he who is coming will come quickly. Well, naturally, I grabbed that. You know, didn't want to go through a long period of time. Uh, but I should have read 1036, too, because it said that it's after he, he, God has done what he's going to do. Mm. <laughs> Stimulations. Uh, well, Dr. Estep, after I talked to him, within the space of about six, seven weeks, came in view of a call. So, oh, I forgot to mention that that was after two and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> Just a slight little delay in there, but God was doing a lot of work here. So, uh, Dr. Stain was the interim pastor and uh, really was preaching the word, mm -hmm. and uh, it, it was a special time too. But uh, we didn't know how long Dr. Eastip was going to stay and this sort of stuff, mm -hmm. but to see what's happened. 
no, I don't feel like a winner. I feel like I was really blessed to be mm-hmm. part of the process. But as I said in the paper, in the interview, it sure wasn't anything I said. And mm-hmm. I think if you ask Dr. Eastep, he'll tell you, sure wasn't anything he said. <laughs> it was all the Lord speaking. Uh, and, and that's one of the strongest things about Dr. Eastep is that he has been so faithful to do what he really believes God is leading mm-hmm. him to do. It's not an ego trip. It is a, it's kingdom building. And uh, everything that's been done has not been just about this church, but to cover the state, mm-hmm. uh, not satellite churches, and that's not yeah. to criticize that, but not building up the one, mm-hmm. but the other, planting the churches. Yeah. And uh, so it, it really is special. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool to be able to look back with that perspective. Yeah, after 31 and, years, and, yes. And just to see, to see how God has worked and to be able to recognize how he's been working. Yeah, and you see such obvious things as the buildings, mm-hmm. but the less obvious things are 75,000 people watch yeah. on television every mm-hmm. Sunday. That's something else, that 1,300 more people go to the planted churches that more than mm-hmm. overflows this sanctuary. Yeah. Uh, and, and now so, we're expanding on the web, too. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and all the, the new stuff, I can't even say it, yeah. much less do it. <laughs> and that's Dr. Eastep. <laughs> yeah, but, but it yeah. is. Mm-hmm. And his television background mm-hmm. to, to make it all work, uh, the reaching in the community, his relationship with Dr. Jackson mm-hmm. has really been special. And I, I think some special things have happened in South Carolina uh, the terrible tragedy at Mother Emanuel, mm-hmm. and yet the response was not like the rest of the country. Yeah, it was forgiveness, and boy, that's only a miracle of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so it really is a special time to see how God's been working. Well, I'm glad you mentioned forgiveness because yeah. that's what we've been talking about in our podcast mm-hmm. today, and so. How has, can you think of a way that forgiveness has played a big role in your life? That might be an obvious question or it might be a difficult one. I'm not sure. <laughs> How much am I going to tell you? <laughs> <laughs> you can leave out the gory details and general, general ride by. <laughs> well, obviously, if you're a believer, forgiveness is, is the first thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you believe and you are forgiven. And we don't do any of it without the Holy Spirit. I can't believe on my own. The Holy Spirit's the only way to do mm-hmm. that. So forgiveness is there all along the way. And probably uh, the hardest parts are to forgive myself mm-hmm. and to receive forgiveness. Yeah. Not and it's not as hard to forgive. Um, now, some people have more, I mean, we're all different, so you have a tendency this way or that way. Uh, but I I have a good memory, but I have a short memory on it. <laughs> I, pardon me, I did have a good memory on it. <laughs> but uh, to, to forgive yourself is really a hard thing. Um, and part of the thing is... Uh, one of the, we're talking about strongholds in real and being right 
it's a stronghold in my life. <laughs> and, and, you know, you may think you're right, but I am right. You know? And to, to receive forgiveness for that, I have to ask a lot. Uh, like, why do, do I that. need forgiveness? I was right. Yes, I was right. But to forgive myself, I, again, it's easier to forgive others for me, mm-hmm. and that may not be true for others. But to forgive myself has been a harder thing to do because I'll keep remembering. And that's defeating. Mm -hmm. That's Satan at work, driving you back down. Um, So to to be able to do it. Now, do I learn from it? Yeah, absolutely, Mm -hmm. I've got to, uh, so that I don't do it again and pray for the the situation and, and that I won't do that again. Well, and that is <clears throat> that is difficult when Satan does try to tell us that we're not worthy of forgiveness and that what what you did was too awful to receive forgiveness. Sure. And it reminds me of a line from a song. It says, "What error could you invent with more power than the cross?" And I always think about that when mm-hmm. I'm struggling through that because we we limit God when we sure don't allow ourselves to be forgiven. And Part of it, I mean, it, it gets back to the, to me, the the Satan sin mm-hmm. is pride. Yeah. And if you look at it, that all stems back to pride. And so, uh, actually, you can be forgiving and be proud of it. <laughs> but to forgive mm-hmm. myself means I, I have to that. admit, I have to admit that I was <laughs> Y'all don't remember Fonzie, but uh, oh, oh, <coughs> he couldn't say wrong. <laughs> and so that's a joke at our house. We go <coughs> wrong. And and it is a thing of I have to admit that I'm wrong. And, mm-hmm. and God has already forgiven, but I need to keep confessing mm-hmm. the wrong so that I don't keep building them and build walls because it does break the intimacy. Yes. And those are intimacy breakers and that mm-hmm. I need to let him remove. See, I was going to remove them, but it let him remove yeah. them. So he's the miracle worker. Mm-hmm. He's the <laughs> <Amen>. one <laughs> that gives us the miracle of grace. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and the ability to to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. Because look where God has taken his hand off of something, mm-hmm. it's just awful, Yeah, as we're seeing. Yeah, we see that now, and we see that in history throughout the Bible. Yeah, well, and throughout the modern history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I think you've answered this question, but in light of just a, a lot of what we've talked about, what what advice, I guess, would you give to to our generation, millennials, April, you wrote Gen Z. Gen Z. I thought it was Gen 2. <laughs> Sorry, my handwriting is awful. And Generation Z, so I guess our the, generation. The next one coming up. Yeah. This, this, this young one. Well, being the sage, wise, proud person. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think probably, uh, oh, first of all, you've got to believe. You've got to believe, and you've got to become intimate with God and honest with Him. And so confessing uh, along the way, and then getting in His Word. One of of my favorite 
verse pairs is in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Everybody knows that one. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Okay. And most people think trust in him and he'll direct your paths. And we see it as kind of a straight mm -hmm. line. Mm -hmm. But at work, we had a, a management model that uh, it's a circle. Mm -hmm. It's a circle. And you kind of like, what's the old man talking about? But trust in the Lord with all your heart. That You do that. Now, how do I keep doing that? How does it get better? Lean not on your own understanding. That to me is a reinforcement of trust the Lord just because I don't understand him. Now, I grow as I grow in the word and grow in wisdom with him, then I would understand more not why, but what it is I'm to do and how to do it. Mm -hmm. And so that's a kind of a reinforcement of that. So you kind of go around there. And then we see, uh, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And we kind of go, yeah, he's God. Okay, move right along. Okay, Lord, direct my paths. And we think of that as interstate, mm -hmm. new interstate, not some of the beat up interstate. <laughs> that we say, yeah, smooth interstate. That's good, yes. But that's the way we kind of see it. But the acknowledge him part is part we skip. And it really has been uh, strengthened in me. It, it, I, I think it's the spirit stirring. But to acknowledge him, I need to keep looking. Uh, in, in the 23rd Psalm, it says, uh, to remember, to look back uh, and all the, all the days. And he, his goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Well, he's not following doing something. He is with and leading. Mm -hmm. But I see it as I look back. And so I remember. So when I know I'm going through something, when I've trusted him, when I've leaned not on my understanding, acknowledge God was doing it. Little things, just small things. I didn't get hit by the car mm -hmm. yeah. as we were coming yeah. in. Uh, God's protection. Mm -hmm. a, a lot of people would say, no. If God's in your life, he's in your life. Mm -hmm. And so know that, look back, see that, and then he will direct your path. In no way does that say it's interstate. Look at the 12 disciples. Look at everybody in the New Testament. Anybody want to sign up for that? <laughs> no. 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 But they did, mm -hmm. and they sold out to it. And it's to show that we've committed everything and the mm -hmm. good part's not here, it's later. Mm -hmm. And it's directing your path to be in his will and his way. And then guess what? It comes back around. If I remember and I know, it's easier to trust. And when I can trust there, then it's not my understanding. It's not, well, the world says, mm -hmm. but we never say it that way. The worst, I think the worst phrase is, I think. <laughs> and then I'm in trouble <laughs> but and it keeps looping around and I grow in mm -hmm. that relationship so uh, practice that mm -hmm. would be a really big thing for me it has been to see to look uh, 
don't invent, but ask him to show you, and uh, he will. So. It's such a cool testimony to hear someone who has seen so much, who has seen the Lord work, who has been a part of the Lord working, yet who still acknowledges the power of God through all of that. And it has so many achievements, but at the same time will recognize and say it is it is all because of him. And and I think that's that's such a testimony to young to the young generation, to us who live in a world who says, no, it's it's about you, it's about what you are capable of. No, it's about him and about what he has done to forgive us and to allow him to work through us and in us. So thank you so much for sharing. Um, I think I have just been so blessed by hearing your story. Oh. Yeah. And how the Lord has worked. So. Well, he has He's been faithful, good. and yeah. uh, we'll see what's next. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking, taking some time to talk with us. And um, if anybody out there listening wants to hang out with Bob, you can <laughs> join in on Sunday School. And I don't know, do you have any stipulations in your class? You have to come. You have to come, okay. (laughs) It's not live streamed. You have to be there. Not like Janet (laughs) Bullock. Yeah. (laughs) And so we've talked to Janet, so yeah. Yeah. And And she's a great teacher. Yeah, she is. And so uh, check out the website, fbccola.com, to find the Sunday school class to get involved in the choir, if you would like. We know that Steve Phillips loves for anybody well, to be involved. Well, as mm-hmm. Caroline can tell you, uh, going to choir is not a music thing. Mm-hmm. It's a spiritual thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you go in, beat down, and come out, lift it up. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it really is a special time. And the, the more you're involved and the more prayerfully you sing, mm-hmm. uh, the more it is that way. In mm-hmm. fact, that's true. About everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're looking for opportunities to get involved in any way to find that community, we would love to have you involved. Check out the website or just show up on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday evening, and we'll find you. Bob's around. He was the first person I think I met not on staff. <laughs> and so We uh, do the new members yes, thing. Yes, new too. members yeah. thing. So he's right there with you. Um, But thanks for listening and we will see you next time.